Hello and welcome to this week's episode of the Silicon Sasquatch podcast. With me today is Mr. Douglas Bonham. Good afternoon. Mr. Nick Cummings. Hey there. Mr. Spencer Tordoff. Mm-hmm. And I'll be your host this week. I'm Tyler Martin. We will be talking about preservation of games and the way publishers and developers choose to respect and possibly disrespect their own legacies. Uh, this inspiration comes from the recent release of some legacy titles on uh, mobile platforms, uh, Nintendo's own virtual console service, and other digital distribution methods such as goodoldgames.com and Steam and etc. etc. Uh, I myself am guilty of giving into some of these remakes and re-releases, whether good or bad, just as a means of having these games that I remember and have good feelings for perpetually handy on devices that I actually use rather than keeping old cartridges and discs lying around. I know Spencer might disagree on such a tactic, but maybe as long as it's still functional and still is engaging the way I remember I'm I'm willing to sacrifice some things. But Tyler, what about when remakes go too far? <gasps> a, a good game gone bad, perhaps. Like uh, we're beefing on Final Fantasy VI right now, right? So let's just let's... jump right into that. Tyler, go. <laughs> I, I I've bought an obscene number of uh, Final Fantasy games on iOS. Uh, I would say they started out fairly strong, uh, though remakes of one and two weren't bad but those games weren't really anything i ever had any strong feelings towards one way or the other it was just nice having final fantasy games on my iphone yeah uh i never end up buying three because i played that remake on ds didn't really care for it ditto for four i did recently buy five on ios and while it does have the the new kind of i don't know what you call it like kind of smoother art style it's not really all that evocative of the old snes 16-bit style but it's still the game i like still a game i remember and but far and away the the high point of those remakes and releases squares done for ios is the final fantasy tactics re-release which has the war of the lions translation that released on psp with none of the weird slowdown that that version suffered from and they've actually been really good about keeping the game updated. Like, it has Retina support now. It runs a lot faster, actually. And it's probably one of the better versions of that game to date at this point. So that's one end of the spectrum where they actually do their due diligence to make a game not just, like, a faithful port of its source material, but um, enhanced in a uh, respectful and beneficial way for the new platform, right? Yeah, I mean, the touch controls took some getting used to, but it's... it's Definitely still very playable. Cool. So what went wrong with Final Fantasy VI? Because I know that just launched on iOS and Android in the last week or so. Yeah, I haven't bought it myself just because it looks... I don't know, did you guys see that that, pic, that painting of Jesus that had like, some <laughs> really bad like chip paint issues? Like It was just like deteriorating at a very accelerated rate. And so... They hired some lady to restore the painting. No, 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 no. They, kind of... the, the lady, like, in their town in, like, I think it was either Spain or Portugal, like, volunteered to do it herself against, like, nobody asked her to do it. She just went in and started doing it, and it turned out awful. Was it so good? <laughs> was it just, like, in, was it in a church? Yeah, it was, it was in a, a local museum? church. 
It was, I guess the and church just, has no some... one noticed this woman like showing up with a, like, a can of paint and a paintbrush and just like going to town on this like famous work of art. Yeah. Uh, it seems uh, I, I never looked into the story too much, but it just became its own kind of meme, like the weird kind of like monkey Jesus thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just I, I don't even remember what the painting is called. Like, I'm sure if you saw the picture of the painting, you would recognize it. It made pretty decent national yeah. headlines for a while it was pretty iconic it, it happened last last uh august or twi- august 2012 um an elderly uh was it the ecce homo yeah <laughs> ecce, ecce homo um oh my god it's so good it, it's so good that has to be it? the header image <laughs> <laughs> this is good radio guys um but a- anyways uh <laughs> Like it, I can see in the sh- screenshots of Final Fantasy VI, and I've watched some of the streaming video of it. I, it's obvious what they were going for, like what their intent was. It's like we want to make this something that's a bit more palatable for people that don't have that SNES nostalgia, that don't have that 16-bit nostalgia. Which at that point, if you don't have that, who is that Final Fantasy VI audience now? But regardless, uh, they failed in that attempt because it's not appealing i don't i can't see it as being appealing to anyone who hasn't played this game and i can't see it being appealing to anyone who has played this game so this is by all by my image a game that serves no masters and i'm not entirely sure who did the port who did the remake but i have a hard time believing it's the same people that handled the two three five remakes because the the gulf in quality just seems so vast. It's like if you told somebody or gave them like ten seconds to study the sprites from the first game and said, "Okay, go redraw all this stuff and make the game from scratch." That, that's the impression I get. Where like the colors are kind of right and the proportions are okay on the characters, but something about just the expressions and the detail that's there just looks very inconsistent. Even like not just from the old game, but like within its own, like within the screenshots I've seen. And so much of the animation, like, it was meant for those sprites. It was meant for that art style. And watching, like, the characters dance and laugh in the new form just looks so off and so strange. It just, it looks unnatural and forced. So why do you think that, why do you think Square Enix wanted to update the art style at all? Like, why not just keep the original assets intact like they did with the Chrono Trigger port on DS and then add new controls that fit the platform? Well, they did release a Chrono Trigger on uh, iOS as well. Right. And that it, ha- it is not a remake. <laughs> I mean, it has touch controls, but it is pretty much Chrono Trigger on iOS. And so, yeah, it seems extremely odd to me that they would go this far. And um, I, the only way I can speculate is just that they they believe that there is a younger audience that does not have any experience with those older platforms, that does not care for like the forced like bit like 8 bit 16 bit art style which if flappy bird is showing us anything i don't think that's really an obvious case yeah i mean even even the shittiest sprite art still seems to resonate with a certain audience and i think that probably just because of the people that are handling media these days it's just still what people think of when they think of video games i was watching like some cop drama the other day it was really funny because they were playing what seemed to be like Call of Duty or Battlefield or something, but you were hearing like 80s video games sound coming from the TV. I'm just like, 
what is going on? Right yeah, now? TV and TV <laughs> and movies have a really bad habit of still doing that even today, where it's like the 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 stereotype of video games is still Pac Man and not Call of Duty, which is just bizarre. <sighs> Go ahead, continue. <laughs> I ran out of steam on that thought. Doug lost. The I just had a. I just completely had a stroke there for some reason. Ugh. Well, it's probably all the smoking you do. All yep. the WWE. Yeah. Well, there is a. Uh, there's an extreme other end to the loving restoration and the kind of crappy cash-in restoration that does not seem to fit with the tone of the game at all. And for what it's worth, that is no restoration. Um, the whole premise of abandonware, for example is i mean it's the cataloging of games whose developers whose ip owners have decided not to do anything with them i mean until uh, the kickstarter campaigns recently for example um microsoft was sitting on uh shadow run and mech warrior at least that were nothing was being done with them they were just kind of sitting on those ips and whenever it was mentioned they were like eh that was that was the reaction. Um, it's Spencer, you're a Wasteland Two Kickstarter, right? That's true. You back that? I never played. Did the you original download Wasteland. the? Uh, well, he gave everyone codes. I and I know, and I I am a very impatient man and have not um, done that for whatever reason. Oh yeah, but, I, I installed it on my machine just because it is like fifty megs or something. Right, right. But yeah, it is. It is not age well at all. Well, and and that's kind of the. Um, that's kind of the unfortunate thing is that with a lot of those games, it's true they haven't aged well at all. I mean, um, even with things like uh, Baldur's Gate, Baldur's Gate Two, very fond games, games I remember well. Uh, whenever I try to play them, I end up going, "Oh well, I really hope that the enhanced edition of this comes out soon," just because even though I love the games and they're you know they're wonderful games, I remember them very fondly. I just can't deal with their age yeah so i want to dig into that point because i think it's interesting uh that some games um can be approached even you know decades old by a new player and still be rewarding like i i would wager you could take a five-year-old to an arcade get them on pac-man and they have some fun with it but things that you know you you know we remember as formative games games that we really were attached to and you know maybe learned a lot about the medium from like Baldur's gate for example uh, are less approachable now. So the question I'm kind of wondering about is context, like in the pre- in the role it plays in the appropriate preservation of games. Um, because you could look at Final Fantasy VI and be told, you know, this is arguably the watershed moment for the most important console role-playing game series in history. And that you could be like, cool, whatever. It looks like ass on my iPhone, and you would be correct in saying so. Um, so, you know, art... Art revisions aside and gameplay revisions aside, um, what what do you guys think about what's what we're currently doing as a as a medium in terms of preservation? What more would you like to see? And for example, like would Baldur's Gate still be playable if you know certain things were made? Um, you know, you were introduced to the concepts of like how to properly build a team to deal with um, challenges that come up or like how to how Thacko works because who the hell knows what that is anymore yeah first at that point you just might as well make a sequel yeah like enforcing these like new tutorials into an old game you're ruining the pacing of these old games they're not meant to have these filler segments they're not meant to be pushing these Um, like 
here's how you play an RPG right, type right. of sequences. I, I'm personally a fan of how a lot of the virtual console games and how some of the um, like Nintendo remakes have gone. I spent most most of my time um, playing Super Mario World in the Game Boy Advance version when I had a Game Boy Advance back in high school. And what that game, all it really does to Super Mario World is it adds a ability to save after any level as opposed to at certain points in the game making it easier to just pick it up play and come back funny you should mention the uh ports that uh nintendo made of the super mario games on uh, game boy advance because while what you were saying is true the super mario world one doesn't suffer all that much uh yoshi's island is absolutely an inferior port on a gba it is uh this the screen's smaller like parts of the level design is cut out uh music is different it's much worse on the GBA than it is on the Super Nintendo. Yeah. But most egregiously for me is that every single one of Yoshi's sound samples in the game is replaced from the Super Mario World sounds with like the new like kind of like baby Yoshi sounds. The, like canon- Yoshi- the Yoshi story sounds. Yeah, the canon- yeah. The, the newer canonical sounds. And that's just that's just bad. Like I that my, kind my, of point, my point is that like I like when they add either just a simple overlay or features that make sense as opposed to going in and retouching some of these games. But at the same time, something like Baldur's Gate, um, it makes sense to either add an overlay or add something that's not touching the main content to give you that context like oh, you don't know what this is, here's what it is. And instead of building that tutorial into the game, building it on top as an extra layer that you can just dismiss if you don't need it, but add it in if you do need to come back to this game and use it. Yeah, and what's weird is that they are introducing mechanics, I'm speaking of Square here, into newer games. Mm. Like uh, playing through Bravely Default recently, uh, the option to speed up combat, the option to reduce uh, encounter rates. Like these are things that wouldn't affect the games of the past in a hugely negative way. Yeah. In fact, if anything, I think it would make them just so much more playable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Like, uh, if you go back and play uh, Final Fantasy IX on PSP or Vita, uh, that, that was on sale on PlayStation Plus recently. And it's still a great game, but it has parts that are just so constrained because of the hardware it was built for, because it was a PlayStation 1 game. It is a slow, slow game. And if you could just speed up things and a little bit, it would just make it so much more playable. I remember on uh, the PlayStation 1 game Chrono Cross, if you played a New Game Plus mode, you could actually like, hold down the R2 button and the game would be in like two times speed mode. And there, I can't think of a single like RPG, either Western or Japanese, that wouldn't benefit from such a mechanic because when you're playing through a game that's so text heavy that's so like exploration focused like just upping movement speed upping combat speed just does so much more to i th- keep things moving i to think keep that from losing interest i think that speaks to the difficulty you have in games versus in restoring movies or for music because for films instead of watching it on an old tv you watch it on a new tv for music instead of on a record player you're listening to it on an iphone or an ipod but for games it's also it's something you engage with. And while the gameplay might st- stand out, like for me, for Super Mario World, the gameplay absolutely stands out. But playing an older version, like the original Super Nintendo cartridge, you're forced into saving at certain points instead of uh, the modern convenience of saving anywhere. Or playing on an emulator, you can just do save states and it's not a big deal. So some things about the mechanics are difficult versus in, in movies and, and music, it's something they don't even face. 
I would almost say that like those changes are almost like it's it's like difficult to draw the line and make a consensus decision on it. But like I would say that you know some of those things are almost like a responsibility of a, an appropriate remaster of a game. Like I think that you know safe constraints in Mario World were largely a result of hardware restrictions, not because yes. they wanted to create a challenge of like beat all the worlds plus this castle before you can save again. Yes, like, and that's why, like all things, it's all about balance. Yeah. Uh, if you are too faithful, if you make just virtual console ports, or if you do just ROM dumps like what Sony has for PlayStation One games, you'll probably get that legacy audience. You'll get those people that have that nostalgia for those games and want to play them again. But they are. It is a case of diminishing returns. Like you're gonna get a smaller audience than you would otherwise. But if you go too far, if you take if you go with too much modernization, if you try to upgrade too much, you're going to end up with a Homer car. You're going to end up with something <laughs> that just has so much crap bolted onto it that no one wants this thing anymore. It's not for anybody. Right, right. I, I mean, I was going to say that my ideal, at least as far as uh, recent remasters go, is the Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition series. To provide a little context, um, in those series... Uh, They've uh, released Baldur's Gate. They've released Baldur's Gate 2. I haven't checked out Baldur's Gate 2 yet. But the major fixes are um, modern resolution support. So they, they updated the art and, uh, and the engine to be able to handle, uh, you know, modern-sized uh, monitors. Mm-hmm. Uh, they updated the multiplayer so that the multiplayer is actually functional. Uh, they fixed a lot of the bugs that just kind of existed in the game before. Um and, you know, then added, you know, ported over some features from the sequel um, and, uh, you know, continued mod support for the original. Basically, they went through and modernized the engine that the game was running on um, and made it handle in a, uh, a more modern fashion. Now, for a new player, that would still be extremely daunting. Like, I, if I handed, you know, a copy of Baldur's Gate Enhanced Edition to somebody, I don't know how far they'd get. But I got about six minutes in, and I just said, I hate this game. Well, I had a hard time playing that game when it came out yeah, 20 years well, ago. that's because you're both bad people. But the point here <laughs> is that at a certain point, I mean, I don't think they should go any further with that. I don't think they should make it any easier to play. Um, there's enough of a market there, I think, with uh, the nostalgia aspect. You don't necessarily need to offer those games to a younger audience. But I'm not a younger audience. Like I've I have played most Bioware games. I just Look, this didn't... is this is not an answer to you. This is an Spencer, answer. Spencer, your topic. case is basically saying that there is no value in understanding the past. You're saying that yeah. children of today wouldn't benefit from seeing Snow White or from seeing Cinderella. I mean, just because these are aged experiences doesn't mean they're not worthy of remastering. It doesn't mean they're not worthy of introducing yes, to a new audience. Yes, but how far do you go with the remaster? I mean, we were able what, to understand these games when we were kids. But that's a question that doesn't have an answer, or at least not a satisfactory one. And certainly right. not a universal answer. Right. So, I mean, I think that's it. Like, we didn't have to dumb down Cinderella for kids to understand it. Well, Disney took care of that. Yeah, but it, it, you couldn't just pop in a VHS ca- cassette tape and like get the same results if a kid's been watching Blu-ray their entire life. Yeah, you're not going to achieve the same effect. Like, there are ways to handle this, and I would still recommend to someone who started playing games on Xbox 360 and maybe their first like Western RPG was Fallout 3. Like, I I would still feel comfortable saying you should check out Fallout 1 and 2 
or maybe just Fallout 2. You can probably skip Fallout 1. And yeah, it's a different experience and it's going to require your brain to operate in different ways than you would approach the newer experience, but I think it's absolutely still worthwhile and I don't think that's an impossible case for a child or a gamer of these of that age to play such a game and to enjoy it. I think it's a rewarding challenge if people are serious about understanding the context of like the things they enjoy. And you know, granted most people probably don't care about that sort of thing. They would rather just go watch Two and a Half Men and like <laughs> I don't know, make like a Frito pie or something, but I miss the days when Two and a Half Men was the like the low standard. I think that things have only fallen farther from there if you've ever seen like dads or whatever that charlie sheen show is on tbs yeah uh, so so the remaster of two and a half men in 30 years that's on a hologram i don't know i feel like that's begging a big old question which is you know hd charlie sheen. i mean honestly if nothing else i feel like that makes the um the whole idea of the hd remake of the remaster for the devotee you know, there are some people who are going to care about the past, and there's many who are simply not, and they're going to buy Call of Duty every year. I think we're. it also is because we're finally getting to the point where some games are worth playing again and again, even without a sequel or without remaking it in any major way. Like, or Capcom is going to be re-releasing Resident Evil 4 sometime soon this year, and that game is almost what are you 10 years about? old. It was already... Oh, it was just yeah, released, wasn't it? Okay. Yeah. They just released a Steam version. That game is old. That hasn't really it's been so remade good. in a major way, but it's still valuable. You know, there's some movies where they keep getting re-released without, you know, a sequel or a remake of the movie. And I think we're finally getting to that point with games where there are games that are worth that. Spencer, try not to act too surprised or shocked if in four or five years, if we see a 10th anniversary edition of Modern Warfare on PlayStation 4, Xbox One, and people buy the shit out of it. The fact that they're doing that for Halo 2, of all things, makes me just crawly. That hasn't been confirmed. That's just a rumor. I know, Plus, I I have fonder... Like, I would feel better about that than I would about a Modern Warfare remake. Because I... Modern Warfare is a classic, though. I genuinely... Halo 2 is not. Yeah, but here's the thing. Halo is from a a franchise that, until very recently, I would call well-respected and storied. Where Modern Warfare flew way off the handle uh, yeah. as of Modern Warfare 2. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But don't you want to remember that moment before that happened? I, <laughs> I do. Pepperidge Farm remembers those days. I do not want to remember it as I pay $50 more to, uh, to Activision. Okay. I do remember playing uh, the Call of Duty 1 HD classic version that came out. If you had like, oh, yeah. some, oh, right, career, yeah. like some... Yeah, how was I, that? I, I, did not hold not up. Great. Yeah. I didn't like Call of Duty One all that much at the time, though. It had great moments, but not the best shooting. And no, Call of Duty Two was definitely the standout of that series. Yeah, yeah. best Captain Price too. Um, <laughs> but um, I, I choose to believe that's the same Captain Price that appeared later in Modern Warfare. Well, he's like, pretty he just much like a vampire, the Time Lord, or something. Yeah, something I don't like watch that. Doctor Who, whatever. But I, I do want to throw one example out of like we've talked a lot about shitty remakes and like games whose legacies have been destroyed by them but um the i think one of the best true remakes and we don't really look at it this way but we'll see it more as a sequel is um xcom enemy unknown mm. which is that is not a remake you are stretching the definition there. i don't know did you play xcom on pc the original yeah it's you down to the combat the research paths 
the pace of the game is XCOM. It's just been streamlined in such a in a way that makes sense without in any way. Okay, in that sense, is every Civilization game a remake of the other Civilization games? I would argue so. Yeah, I could say so safely. I mean, I would kind of say oh, that God. about Pokemon X and Y. I mean, if you're going to call... I mean, at the same time, you know, it's it's a matter of, like, are you talking about an iterative remake, like a Madden, or are you talking about, like, a transformative remake? Where, like, the essence is what's retained, but the interface, you know, the the specifics of it are different. Because, I mean... With uh, with XCOM, it would definitely be a transformative remake. Yeah, I, but I, I do think it's more a remake than a sequel in any way because it's it's it scraps a lot of what every sequel in that series did, which was ruin it, and then goes back to the core of like it's all land battles. It's all I'd be willing to call it a reboot, but calling XCOM Enemy Unknown a remake is like calling Tomb Raider a remake of Tomb Raider One. But it's not because the environments are different, the play is different, the the setting the tone are all very different Whereas that's not the case in XCOM. all those things are the same with XCOM. yeah i think there is a a key difference though i think you make you know tomb raider for example is definitely a reboot Mm -hmm. because it reimagines like what they were what they could have done with lara in the first place but didn't because boobs yeah because they wanted to sell (laughs) a game um to stereotypical teenagers to to take things a little bit differently my question is where is it appropriate for the the uh, to do an HD remake of a game versus just to release it as it was? Good question. I think one team that actually did this exceptional well is uh, 343. If you play the Halo 1 or Halo Combat Evolved uh, HD Anniversary Edition, mm-hmm. that was, where wasn't there like yeah. wasn't there a button you could push and just switch back and forth yeah. from the old you push the, graphics to yes. the new? You push the back button and like two seconds later you're playing the old version. Same, uh, same as uh, the first Monkey Island. Yeah, the remake of that. Yeah, again, totally brilliant. Exactly, I think what we need to see. Like beautiful art. You know, if you need to add voice acting, that's appropriate. But to have the option to switch back to the original just for context is really valuable. And still have these modern interfaces and elements, things like being able to save anywhere. Yeah, Mm -hmm. that's actually an excellent example of how to like remaster a game without like changing its original intent or mechanics but like make it presentable to a new audience because you had the addition of the hint system which was super helpful because that game is cuckoo bananas fucking crazy for trying to Mm -hmm. solve it uh and also you can mix and match what you want from the new and the old so you could use the old graphics but they still get the um voice acting that they did for the remake and again smart casting they got the people who did the later monkey island games to voice the originals when they remade them yeah so it, was, it I felt just, like a faithful remaster. I enjoy being able to see some of these games, but it also questioned just how far an HD remake would go versus just re-releasing the original ROM dump or re-releasing something like on Virtual Console, where it's much more minimal. It's here's the original game, warts and all, versus here's here's a actual remix of it and here's a remake of it and everything like that, like. It, sometimes you want the first sometimes you want it to be remade with some modern conveniences and then kind of telling the difference between them does take context but for myself it's as i like it as brushed up as little as possible just with the modern convenience of saving or online where appropriate or any other advances versus i guess additions as features if that makes any sense no that makes perfect sense i mean that's kind of where uh where games take on this whole other aspect 
just because they're so personal, they're so involved. Uh, I mean, if you're restoring a color film, there's almost nothing controversial you can do. If it's black and white and you colorize it, that's that's something. Uh, if you're restoring a painting, again, unless you uh, pull an Ecce Homo, uh, nothing really super controversial you can do. But with a game, it, you have to contextually know, does this game need revamped art? Does it simply need its mechanics adjusted? Does it just need to be released as it is? And And that's kind of fascinating. I mean... I don't know that a whole lot of thought is being given to that. Some of the games come out perfect, you know, like 343, like the re-release of um, of Monkey Island. But then we have others like uh, this re-release of Final Fantasy VI, where did it really need the adjustments it was given? I think that's it's more than just adjustments in the case of Final Fantasy VI, if you look at some of the pictures there. and oh, God, um, the art is hideous. It's, it's a it's goddamn hideous. crime. I think that's yeah. where, um, to to kind of bury the lead a little bit an inspiration partially for this topic was uh, Bob Mackey's article for the onions AV club, where he talks about turnerization where, um, and compares some of these remakes from, um, for video games to what Turner did when they needed a lot more content for their TV ch- cable channels. And what, and they went in and kind of did a hack job on a lot of technicolor movies and, or that were, what Black I would and white love, seriously love to see, though, is you take some of those old games, maybe games that no one played, no one remembered, and someone do like a C-Lab 2021 version of that. <laughs> just like take those old sprites, those old animations, and just go completely off the rails with it. Just do whatever the hell you want, because no one remembers those games anyway. Like, make a stupid as hell version of... The Kamikaze Squirrel or Zero. Zero the Kamikaze Squirrel? Zero. Zero and Arrow the Acrobat. Well, isn't that what somebody did recently with the the little art game about Bubsy 3D? Yes. (laughs) God, that game is... You guys need to play it if you haven't. I I did. I I didn't get... I wasn't aware of this as a thing that exists. I didn't go all the way through it, but yeah, I played through part of it and was just like... This is pretty fantastic. And it does kind of hit that C-Lab-ish sort of tone, although it's more like kind of self-parody or self-awareness parody within the original context as opposed to yeah. taking like Arrow the Acrobat and making him into like part of like a 2D Smash Brothers sort of mo- nonsense thing. Yeah, I think that the Bubsy thing is a great example because it's from the team that made uh, Room of a Thousand Snakes, which if you haven't played it is also required playing. It takes about two minutes. Um, it's all It all runs in Unity on a web player, but basically they took Bubsy 3D's horrible, horrible platforming camera jumping gliding mechanics it was basically the shittiest 3D platformer of the time and may still be of all time. Uh, and had it be a game where you go visit this actual art museum installation that exists in LA right now. And so you walk through like this rendition of an art gallery while gliding around and collecting yarn balls for no fucking purpose. <laughs> um, it's, it's a surreal experience. I recommend you see it through to the end just for the Blue Oyster Cult moment. <laughs> that sounds well that's not even the end of the game have you no, read it's about not. have you read it's about actually an mmo yeah it's a... <laughs> i i didn't it's get a it to thing work for but... me to wrap my mind around because like i see developers doing it well and i see developers that do it poorly also doing it well like mm. i mean nick i know you have strong feelings for uh, theater rhythm as well which granted it's not a remake but it is a game about respecting the legacy of one of your properties about one of your series and understanding what the appeal is for fans like Every part of that game to me feels like they understand that like we have a very committed fan base that love like this part of this game and we are going to give them 
this as a way of like rewarding them or as a way of keeping them happy while we don't have another game to give to them. Yeah. And I think that the, the key thing that these developers need to keep in mind or these publishers need to keep in mind is just that they need to understand who is this for. When we are making this remake, when we are expanding on this property, who are we ultimately trying to court with it? Because I, they've also shown off screenshots recently for Phoenix Wright on 3DS. They're putting the first three games on 3DS. And a lot of people were super excited about that because it has a very avid fan base. And they were kind of hoping they would go the extra mile and do it in the style of the Phoenix Wright game for 3DS that's on eShop. But it looks like that is absolutely not the case. And not only is it not the case, but they're not even doing the DS ports. They're porting over the iOS version, which has reduced animation. Oh, oh. Oh, that's terrible. It's just, it's just, again, it's just, who are you making this for? Are you trying to get the original fans? Are you trying to attract a new audience? And just skimping to save money, I don't think that you're really doing yourself any favors in that respect. Yeah. yeah. Um, I mean, I guess my go-to examples before we um, shift gears briefly here before um, ending is, uh, like, how I'd describe it is some games, like Mass Effect, for example, if come, you know, 2017, uh, there was a 10th anniversary trilogy edition where... If? You, when. Um, where, for example, all of the games were revised to use the assets and the, um, the version of the engine from Mass Effect 3 with those mechanics. Uh, but It'll be like Frostbite 3 or whatever they're on or by then. whatever they're on. But the point is when they all have consistent mechanics through the same three but with the story and uh, and voices and so forth of the original, so like Mass Effect 2, Mass Effect uh, 1, um, I think that would be totally appropriate. That's a game I would be happy yeah. to play. Uh, at the same time, uh, if somebody were to do an HD remake of Super Mario Brothers, they would be openly crucified. <laughs> well, even then, like that's kind of what new Super Mario Brothers, the new series of those, have become. But that's a like reboot. A re- it's not a remake. It's I not, think that's the only reason that Nintendo can get away with that. Yeah, it's, that is the only reason they can get away with it, is because they haven't tried to do a direct remake with that art style. Although, Although maybe you could kind of say the All-Stars games are all essentially remakes. A little bit. It's true. Uh, a little bit. A little bit. I feel, like the, I feel like the Super Nintendo Super Mario All-Stars is probably the original HD remix. Except yeah, those, I would say so. Those games were like pixel perfect in terms of how they played. Yeah. That is very that's, true. That is, again, that speaks to that level of curation that you would need to approach some I of the I think you could probably find some games. hardcore fans that disagree with oh, that. I'm sure yeah. there's little exploits that are gone, but like, as somebody who grew up playing those games on NES... Like somebody, somebody log into NeoGAF and check. Oh, no. Oh, God. <laughs> and even with an emulation and talking about emulation as a way to preserve games, like there are people who are like, just a ROM dump is fine, but then other people who are trying to recreate the power of like the Super Nintendo inside of a computer to like create that like run a dual boot almost where the super nintendo is part of is running on top as a shell of your os to then run the roms from there and that's a that's a like that's fantastic if you want to put that in a museum but i'm perfectly cool with the virtual console version or just a regular emulator or just a regular version of it full recreation or really anything as long as you don't fill it full of useless petty microtransactions like that tales of fantasia or dungeon master uh Uh, another keeper dungeon keeper right oh god that's no 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 that's bad no bueno (laughs) please play war for the overworld oh christ um that's that's our plug right there 
Yeah. What is War for the Overworld? It's a kickstarted uh, homage to Dungeon Keeper 1 and 2. Ah. Which, full disclosure, uh, my friend's working on. I was going to say, our number one fan is working on it, right? Yeah. Yeah, James. What is Peter Monolu even doing these days? Uh, Laughing maniacally at the uh, Peter Molyneux Twitter account. Probably. Oh, funny enough, the uh, Fable remake just came out, too. Yes. It's getting some mixed reactions. I've never really cared for the fable games so i think they're that doesn't really objectively entice me at all they're objectively bad games in my opinion like i liked fable 2 a lot fable 1 was not yeah polished fable enough. 2 then, is definitely the the high point of that series but i don't have a lot of nostalgia and then fable, for fable 3 1. went the wrong direction i think but yeah fable 1 was just jank start to finish like yeah i had some clever like interesting things with ai and emotions and expressions but i just i hated the core controls and... wait hang on i just realized fable came out 10 years ago didn't it yeah yeah the anniversary oh christ you're mortal spencer i i enjoyed the story and where they went with fable 2 but this is not the fable 2 podcast 10 years or no that's coming ago. up next week let's talk about quickly <laughs> let's let's talk about another facet of keeping games and, ke- and keeping old games which is actually proving yes. to be a challenge and that's what do you do with a game like EverQuest, which is an MMO? I think saying it's a challenge is implying that anyone is trying to fix that problem. There are people. Really? Yeah, I read. I can't remember. It was a long time ago. I should find these uh, in, for the notes for the podcast. Mm-hmm. But there, there are some academics. I think I heard a podcast with this guy yeah. who works at a university and um, tries to like oh. like archives like multiplayer matches from games and. Um, well, I was thinking like developers or publishers. Oh, they don't give a trying shit. to. Yeah, I think yeah. I think if we're talking yeah. about archiving online things like EverQuest or eventually World of Warcraft or even like like Nick's thing, like online multiplayer matches and things like that. Like this is a question more of the history of a game versus or keeping it for a museum versus uh, trying to make it like a remix or a remake or a commercial product. But it's still an important part to remember because, like, in 50 years, who knows what we're going to be looking back at in terms of video game history and what might be lost. And the thing is, you can record, like, what happens in these sequences. Like, there are people that are taking these records and these accounts of, like, the end of MMOs. Like, someone somewhere has a record of what happened at the end of The Matrix Online. Uh, That would be GiantBomb.com right there. Yes, yeah, that was pretty <laughs> they, great. They actually. live stream like the final few hours of those games and and got into them like the week or so before, and that's it's valuable as a service. But another aspect we're talking or questioning about is I think the guy, God, I need to oh, should have researched this before we started talking about it. But I think it's somebody maybe with Stanford University who's trying to like create small sandboxes where the online game can exist, where it's like yeah, seated. and that's my point is that. You can take these older games like Mario, like you can take Super Mario Brothers on the virtual console, and you can have a child experience Mario for the first time, but no one will ever experience the end of Matrix Online again. Not in the right. way that it was experienced. And like True. you can you can get all kinds of streaming video recordings or whatever, but yeah, you'll never recapture like what was what was the player base like? Like what kind of things happened? What were the tropes? How did the economy function? What were the big trends in like player economy? Like, or you can even witness it in games that are still running. Like there, you cannot mm-hmm. experience World of Warcraft pre-Cataclysm. Yeah, well, like, it is an entirely different game now. Unless you're Spencer, I was going to say you technically can, but it is in an empty void world where nobody you know exists. Unlike it's like going to your servers. high school if it was empty for years. Yeah, so it's like the the Langoliers. <laughs> Did anyone read that Stephen King novel? I know what you're talking about. Just me? <laughs> Just you. 
yeah. But, it's not one of his worst but the, books. But the point is here, I mean, now we're we're getting into this whole like philosophical of like sure you can preserve a game. You can preserve a game forever. You can like as long as you have the hardware to run it, you can fucking play whatever game you want. Well, you guys were the ones that brought in the whole online can of worms. Well, Doug that's... brought in the can of worms, but I mean, just just to point that out, I mean, that's that's like it's added a whole new arena for details to be lost to history. Yes. You know, the fidelity of our memory is of course decaying all the time. Eventually that'll all be lost and how hard do we want to try to remember it? I mean, I can say personally my um my time spent playing Vanilla World of Warcraft. I wish I could forget it. <laughs> <laughs> but but I, I, I don't think anyone will try to preserve it, and I think that's probably for the best. On a warmer note, though, uh, I remember when Street Fighter Two HD Remix came out, and I remember playing that online uh, with my friend who's an avid fighting game fan. And Street Fighter Two is one of the few two-dimensional fighting games that I, at one point in time, could actually wrap my brain around. Brain around. I can consistently throw a Hadouken or a Shuriken in uh, Street Fighter 2. And while it was kind of fun to play that HD remix with my friend, it still didn't feel like it did sitting in my friend's living room with two controllers plugged into an SNES yeah. and doing it right there. Yeah. So maybe we should be making a push, like, as whatever we want to call ourselves, dudes who give too much of a shit about video games, to, like, not just push for... Um, faithful recreations or hd up that look good but like you know really trying to capture what was it about that experience that made it meaningful and you know guys i got it oculus rift support so you're in a 1992 living room playing street fighter on a super Nintendo. someone's gonna sell that for like millions of dollars and it still <laughs> is gonna fall flat unless you're high on mushrooms oh <laughs> i was gonna say we could call this like the gone home times uh street fighter crossover Oh God! You <laughs> play Gone Home and Oculus Rift, and then open up the emulator of Street Fighter Two. So you're sitting in the bedroom with the Super Nintendo controller and everything, and watching it on the screen. How could it not work? We can go deeper. Because Sam stole the SNES. Doug, oh. it won't work. It won't work <laughs> because oh. we remember. I know. And on that cheerful note, yeah, yeah. on that bombshell, all no, these it... memories will be lost like tears in rain. Oh, perfect. You could have delivered that better, Nick. No, I could Time to die. <laughs> I've seen things you couldn't possibly imagine. Online World of Warcraft matches. Gone. <laughs> and it's for the best. Six-hour Molten Core runs. Also no gone, loot. also for the best. How does that line go at the end of the movie? Uh, she's going to die, you know? But in the end, don't we all? It's it's too it's too bad she won't make it. But then again, who does? It's too bad she won't live. But then again, who does? So say we all. So, so say we say all. We all. Our header for this episode just needs to be a 16-bit unicorn, right? Yeah. Okay. I'll setting for a 16-bit version of that uh, that character from <laughs> from uh, fucking Blade Runner. There was a Blade Runner game, wasn't there? There was. There was a Blade Runner game. That is a whole different. Well, it was pretty worms. rad. Westwood Studios, man. Yeah, yeah. When's where's our HD remake of Blade Runner the game? Buried deep wherever Westwood is. Would it be feet? Would it be based off of the original version of the director's cut? And now we've wrapped around full circle. 
All right. Or the, the final, final cut. cut. There we are. Oh, yeah, Tyler. It better be the fucking final cut. <laughs> I've oh, seen all glorious. of them. I need to... I've seen it all. Okay. Well, I think that caps it off nicely. Yes. And on that bombshell. So... Though I'm not the host, Tyler. Does that cap it off you... nicely? Uh, yeah, I was, I was trying to think of something witty. It's not going to fly. <laughs> We've definitely reached the end of this thread here. Thank you so much for putting up with our weekly shenanigans. I'm glad you're one of our half dozen, maybe less, faithful listeners. Uh, my name is Tyler Martin. You can find me at uh, Tyler A. Martin on virtually every social network and that jerk Tyler on most gaming platforms. Uh, Douglas, where can we find you? I am at Douglas Bonham on Twitter, where you can find a delightful string of tweets about the experiencing the opening ceremonies of the Sochi Olympics while like tired out of your mind at 2.30 in the morning. Uh, and at on Harper DC on PSN if you want to challenge me at Gran Turismo 6 or perhaps WWE 2K14. Nick, please pimp yourself. Well, you can find me on Twitter at Nick Cummings. I uh, post a lot of self-effacing things there these days. Otherwise, uh, I'm YMOG on most uh, gaming platforms. W-H-Y-M-O-G. I just got DayZ. Please come do terrible things to me in that game. Ugh. Uh, Spencer, (laughs) be your own hype man. Wow, that's a tall order. Uh, I am at Spencer Tordoff on Twitter, where you can find me mostly retweeting Silicon Sasquatch and not doing much else. And additionally, I'm not going to pimp my gaming handle because I am a monster. (laughs) You don't want to interact with me. Just stay Uh, away. One word. Bus lords. And of course, you can find us and our written words on SiliconSasquatch.com or follow us on Twitter at SasquatchGaming. Thanks so much and have a pleasant week.